capability on or off-road, state-of-the-art technology, and all the safety features you could ask for. Drive one today from as little as $370 a month. Just $370 a month. Every Jeep in our lineup is sale-priced for fall savings. You'll fall in love with. That's right, I said it. Bring us your trade and get more for it. Drive a new Wrangler Unlimited for only $279 a month. Get a new Grand Cherokee Laredo and save over $3,000 off MSRP. See our inventory at jaxcjdr.com. Every day is a great day at Jacksonville Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram I-295 and Bay Meadows. This is the WOKV Spotlight on 104.5 WOKV. It's 839 and we're, we're spending spotlight time this hour dedicated to 9-11 and what happened 20 years ago that came to life over the speakers of radio and in front of our eyes on television. And who better to paint the picture than those who were actually on the air at the time uh, that the first planes hit the World Trade Center in New York City. Mark Kay, who you hear every weekday from noon till 3. You've been on the radio in Jacksonville since 2006, as I have as well. You were a first informer, though, on September 11th in another market altogether and really close to where everything happened. I was in radio in Washington, D.C., hosting a morning show when the first plane hit the tower. And we had a, this cramped little studio, and we had a tiny little TV in the corner. It was a tube TV. It wasn't even, you know, flat screen or LCD uh, That 20 years ago. And we saw all of a sudden the, the Today Show or whatever broke in, and all you could see was the smoke coming and the initial reports of the plane hitting the tower. We didn't even really stop what we were talking. We were joking or playing some stupid game. But then when the second plane uh, hit the tower and we all saw it live, that's when, I mean, the world changed forever. But we were on the air in D.C., for both of those planes hitting. And then the scariest moment for us was 10 miles away when the plane hit the Pentagon and we had listeners calling from the from the from the interstate. They were on 395. They were saying, oh, my God, I just saw a plane hit the Pentagon. We had people calling from the Pentagon saying we're being evacuated. And those were people hearing our show and calling us to let us know this is what's going on. It was really I've never experienced a moment ever like it in my life. Did you find it difficult to to have that serious of a conversation and and to turn the tide as immediately as you did with all of the uncertainty that was out there, but knowing what your audience is expecting out of you, that you kind of had to become, you know, a news person and kind of a storyteller in a way that maybe you weren't even prepared for? No, no one was prepared for it at all. But and you know, and and the the thing about what we do or what we always try to do is we just try to be your friend, your buddy, your pal, the the voice that you know you trust. And in any time, whether whether we're joking or playing a game or it's really deadly serious, you always want to be around those people that you trust. And so I think that it was it was natural for us and for our listeners. But you know, it, it was one of those things where I still to this day have people remember they you know they they call me or they write me on September eleventh uh, and say. I was listening to you on that morning and I found out about it from you. You know, the thing, my wife and I actually got married on September 15th, 2001, four days later. And we had an, we had a destination wedding. We were all supposed to meet our family in Charleston, South Carolina. And we thought for sure it would be canceled. We thought for sure nobody would be there. But it was, it was really incredible because four days later, everyone who was invited found a way. There were no air, airline flights. There were no, no planes at all. Everybody found a way to get there to celebrate our wedding and we go into our 20th wedding anniversary this week, 
And it's, you know, it brings back all those memories, tragic, but then also really hopeful that everyone still realized life was going to go on, and they came to share that with us. In the days and weeks after, is there a memory that still sticks with you on the inspirational side, be it a phone call, an act of kindness, an act of service that you just immediately recollect? Obviously, you have the personal story of getting married to your wonderful bride four days later, but... You know, is there something that immediately like I think about the way that the local fire department in the small town where I was working in Michigan immediately rallied around each other and they were holding commemorations in the small city of like 7000 people. And that was like our way to feel connected to what was happening. Oh, so many miles away. Oh, yeah. I mean, being in D.C. with the Pentagon, especially we worked with a woman who she was an older lady. She worked in accounting or something. And her son was stationed at the Pentagon and he came in to share his story of crawling through black smoke to try to escape after the the flight was hit. And you realize this is a woman whose son, you, I've worked with her for, you know, six, seven years, had no idea. Uh, but he shared that story. When the Pentagon reopened, they actually, uh, I mean, we had, there were so many events. There was a walk around the Pentagon to raise money. And we, you know, we, as a, as a community, walked around the Pentagon and surveyed the damage and raised funds. But when they reopened, we, um, we got a tour before the dedication of the new, I guess the the memorial at the Pentagon and the soldier brought us in he invited you know some of the radio folk locally and we got there and we went in and it's all brand new everything's you know brand spanking new and then down in the corner there's one dingy brown kind of brick and he points to that and he goes this brick is where the nose of the plane hit and they salvaged it or they salvaged a brick to let everyone remember this is you know and you stood there there's a window and you can stand there and see the exact path that the plane comes in. And I remember standing in that building, you know, that used to be an office. Someone was just, you know, doing their job. And all of a sudden, this plane comes through this window. That really kind of shook me to the core. And that's something I'll always remember. So 20 years later, as we're reflecting with Mark K, Mark K show heard uh, live and local noon till three every day. You have kids who were not alive, same as me. How do you share that story? How do you educate them in the way that only you can as their father and your wife as their mother? Um, how do you all share the story with them now 20 years later? I mean, they know, uh, you know, and again, because we always tie in the story with our wedding, and they always ask us about our wedding, and, and we've taken them to, to Charleston where we've been married, and we always tell them that story. And they know, you know, they said, why, why couldn't anyone get here? Why couldn't you fly out? Why was, you know, why did you go on a honeymoon two years later? Well, because we couldn't leave this, you know, we couldn't leave the country, and we didn't want to. Um, you know, we turned around right after my wedding, and I went back home to get back on the air because that's where I was needed. And, and, you know, luckily we have that connection with our kids that we can tell them the story, but they've seen the footage and we've shown them, we've taken them to New York City. Uh, you know, we took them to the 9-11 Memorial and we showed them the, the beams and the wreckage and they've seen the fire trucks and they were, you know, emotionally um, really affected by that. Uh, so, I, you know, I think it's important that 20 years later, we don't forget. Uh, you always have to remember so that it doesn't happen again. And, you know, politically what's going on today in the country as we talk about every single day it's a little shocking that we're not further along than I thought we would be 20 years later or that we've kind of reverted back into the same place where we're facing some of the same threats. Um, not something I would have thought I'd be experiencing 20 years later. Yeah, just ahead, Brian Kilmeade reflects on covering the attacks on TV live in New York City as they were happening and the memento that he kept from the events of that day. Also, how sports brought us back together. This is the WOKV Spotlight on 104.5 WOKV. It's 849 as we're dedicating time leading up to the Brian Kilmeade Show on reflections from 20 years ago, September 11th, 
of 2001. We just heard from Mark Kay, and he'll be back sharing more live and local noon till 3 on WOKV Radio. Certainly, we're going to hear a lot from Sean Hannity and his personal story of how he had just a day prior started his nationally syndicated radio show, in New York City and then had to cover the terror attacks and the subsequent days, weeks, months, and even years of the war on terror that came afterward. Brian Kilmeade was live on TV at the time that the first plane hit the World Trade Center and almost immediately hustled out of the studio, started reporting from lower Manhattan. We watch one tower fall. We take, we get out of the shot, we get out and the shooter shoots it, he tapes it. We get back in, we start to get by, we get pushed by again. Then we finally went on foot. The second tower falls, we jump into a, a building and uh, we let the plume of smoke go by. We wait, we try to figure out what block it is. Everything is covered in white with shoes, papers. Um, and you just see, it looks like the surface of the moon. It doesn't look anything like downtown New York. So we finally find a crew who've been forced to move twice with their truck because Nobody thought the tower was going to fall and they were way too close. And when I finally get there, David Lee Miller had lost his cameraman. He's the war correspondent. So he takes my cameraman, who's actually still here today, too. And then I was able to get another cameraman and walk around and be able to talk to people and interview people about what they saw, the shock. And the way the, the thing that sticks out with me was the firefighters, where they had to recalibrate. They had, a, they had an area right by where the mayor's office is, and they would reconvene. And they'd come back and they seemed to have less guys. And they would make up a new team and they'd go back again. And one, one image that sticks in my mind is that as I'm walking back, I see these guys run into a parking garage and, and four weight, one goes down. They come back with his pickup truck and they go get in. So the guys were trapped inside. They were forming their own team. They're going to go back again. And they slam on the brakes. I thought, what's going on? And he said, what are your names? And he has a piece of paper and he writes down his name. He goes, we're a team. And they go flying back in his Toyota pickup truck. I'm going, this is like, I felt like they were the army and, and they just never hesitate on going back. And all they would need is some water and some, uh, and some oxygen and they would fly back again. And the cops too, they were trying to create some order and disorder. And those are just some of the things that come to mind. I still have the shoes I was wearing to this day. How have your emotions of that day and the days thereafter uh, kind of guided and influenced how you share with your audience, both on radio and TV, major stories or even uh, the run of the mill stories, have they in ways influenced the the style that you have and the way that you connect to an audience? Hmm. I think uh, the, the format of Fox and Friends is very similar to radio in that you're not really, really reading much script. You you know that feeling every day, Rich, but you're not reading much script. You got to understand the story and to understand the story, you need the background. So if someone said, uh, what is football? How do I learn about it? The first thing you got to do is find out the history of the game, how it started, whether how much you move all the way up. With terror, I had the foundation, but I needed the detail. So I found myself pouring into the war on terror, seeing how this whole started with Kahani being assassinated here, the first guns being bought uh, for an operation for 93. The first guns were being bought actually on Long Island, right near my house at a gun store. And seeing how this whole thing took place and studying the Afghanistan war, the rise of the Mujahideen and uh, bin Laden's and what bin Laden's were good and bad and where they were located and how they left Sudan. So to, I found myself when I wasn't doing the news, I was doing this recent history on terror. So when things would happen in real time, I'd be able to react from my knowledge, not from the story. So Mohammed Atef was their defense minister of Al Qaeda. 
when he was killed, I knew who he was. I didn't really have to look it up. You know, I knew who Zara Hiri was and how he hooks up to the Muslim Brotherhood. I didn't have to look it up. I knew bin Laden was counting on him for certain things. I didn't have to look it up. Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, uh, Ramzi bin Al-Sheib helped put together the Hamburg cell. I knew about Abu Zubaydah and how big he was being taken down in Pakistan and how much he had to say. Got to know some CIA guys. They became sources. So I just felt like I, I was just building the foundation to be able to cover cover this 20-year story. Are there memories that, as haunting as, as you may have, and, and to have even the shoes that you wore that day, that's that visual reminder of maybe all of the different emotions, the anger, the sorrow, the pain, and on the negative side. What is there an uplifting moment? Is there something that also is seared into your memory that you'll never forget of that moment that does bring, you know, uh, that, that little flutter to your heart or that smile to your face that you want to be able to share? So it's not just about the terror, the death. Obviously, that's a major part of this story, though. Well, a couple of things. I mean... I mean, what I just told you about the firefighters, always walk away with that. I'm not saying firefighters are better than cops or cops are better than firefighters. It doesn't matter. It's the mentality. They don't get paid a ton of money. Yeah, they have some benefits, but there's a mentality. I want to save people. This is my time to save, not to think. Unbelievable. That's what I talk about. But in terms of things that don't matter so much, that, that are symbolic and do resonate, I think about sports. I think about the Mets who had got to the World Series, I think, the year before underachieving that year and start making a run when Mike Piazza hits that home run that gives them the victory, a capacity crowd where many thought you're crazy to congregate in one setting. It's going to be a terror. It's going to be a terror target. It is New York City. They're not done. They are everywhere. We didn't get all of them that day. And still they sold out Shea Stadium. And then I remember President Bush goes out there and throws the perfect strike and Democrats and Republic Democrats didn't boo and Republicans didn't just cheer. The whole country stood and cheered. And he was able to stand up to that moment. And I remember Michael Jordan coming back in Madison Square Garden with Washington. And I remember all this happening. And I thought to myself, I talked to David Stern, then the commissioner, maybe the best ever on the floor. And I go, what are you worried about? He goes, I'm worried about an attack here in Madison Square Garden. And this is a guy that, you know, they don't run from fear. They're just saying, like, I feel responsible. And the fact that we went back and went back to work, went back to games, went back to recreation, uh, and, and the feeling in those arenas, in those stadiums, I'll always remember. Also, something else that I think is important. You know, for the longest time, if you see Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, people are going to go, oh, there's Trevor Lawrence. If you see a backup offensive lineman in the mall, you're going to go, wow, you're in the Jaguars. Let me take a picture with you. And I get it. Mets, Yankees, Giants, Jets, they really looked up to here. Rangers, Islanders, um, and Knicks and Nets, they looked up to. I get it. But not, any, not there. They would show up downtown and people would just say hello and keep walking. Evander Holyfield would be serving food to people, chopping up heroes for people. And they go, how you doing, champ? Can I have this, this, and this? Everyone flattened. Everyone was equal. The cops were equal with the military, were equal with the firefighters were equal with the celebrities were equal with the superstar athletes the backup offensive lineman is how do i help and yep bobby valentine many people don't know him but he was a manager with the mets he actually organized a whole launching pad to feed all the workers at 9-11 in the parking lot at chase stadium he was working 18 hour days people weren't going to go hey do you think the mets are going to win they were actually asking him because he was in charge so I will remember that, you know, athletes, they're on a pedestal, they make multi-million dollars, they're behind fences and in limos. Not that time, uh, not in that city. So, uh, Brian, how are you going to handle 9-11 on the show today in just a couple of minutes here, 9 to noon? Uh, what I'm trying to, uh, where we're at now, 
Uh, don't forget not only the people that died that day for no reason. And when you see their pictures, even though it was 20 years ago, you think they're going to be in the subway and on the train. Uh, and you see the, the seven-year-olds who are now 27, the 11-year-olds who are now 31, and see how people have moved on with their lives, uh, but yet have not forgotten. Uh, I think that I, people should think about that, the individual stories, the sacrifice that they made, the, the lives that were so incomplete, and the lives that were fractured from that day forward. And no, um, now more than ever, that chance of it happening again, if we don't understand that politics can play a role when it comes to national security and international, uh, and, and international fights, politics cannot play a role or else we're gonna have another. And it might be the next big city and it might be your family. And if people that you trust are in power and they tell you there's a threat, don't look for the Pentagon and the, the uh, the industrial complex trying to up your money and take your tax dollars and fight a war. Understand there are legitimate people out there to watch your back, know who they are, identify them, and have theirs. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.